Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. All the stuff that I've given you, the Lord says, all the things that I've blessed you with, they are going to take possession of. But what a bitter pill that must have been. You know, they possessed a land. They they, uh, dispossessed a people and gained their land, gained their crops. And now they themselves are going to be plundered for another nation that's going to come in and do the same to them. Why? Because of their disobedience. And he did the same thing to the nations. Those seven nations in Canaan, he's doing the same thing to his own people because they would not listen and they were more accountable. Today on Truth in Christ, prophetic words from an omniscient God. Pastor Rob finalizes chapter 28 of the book of Deuteronomy by explaining God's prophetic warnings to the nation of Israel. Because God knows the end from the beginning, he knows ahead of time the consequences to his people's actions that go against his commandments and statutes. God used other nations to punish Israel for their disobedience, just as he did by using Israel against other nations as they entered the promised land. Our God knows our stubbornness, and because he loves us, he corrects us. Let's listen to Pastor Rob with today's message. They didn't have to do a whole lot. Everything had been provided for them. Therefore you shall serve your enemies, whom the Lord will send against you. Notice that, prophetic in hunger and thirst and nakedness and in need of everything, and he will put a yoke of iron on your neck until he has destroyed you. A yoke of iron. We don't really have time to go here, but when he mentions this phrase, a yoke of iron on your neck. I want you to put a little scripture reference off to the side and read that tonight in context of this because this literally came to pass. Uh, Let me see. Uh, I don't know if I should go for it or not. I'm going to go for it. Here we go. Jeremiah 27, verse 1 through 15. This literally came to pass. Prophetic it was. Jeremiah 27, verse 1. In the beginning of the reign of Jehoiakim, the son of Josiah, king of Judah, this word came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Thus says the Lord to me, Make yourselves bonds and yokes, and put them on your neck, and send them to the king of Edom, to the king of Moab, the king of the Amorites, the king of Tyre, and the king of Sidon, by the hand of messengers who come to Jerusalem, to Zedekiah, king of Judah, and command them to say to their masters, Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Thus shall you say to your masters, and here's the message, that God's giving to these nations. I have made the earth, the man and the beast that are on the ground, and my 
and by my great power and by my outstretched arm and have given it to whom it seemed proper to me. And now I have given all these lands into the king, into the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, my servant. Notice, that's really scary. That's really wonderful, actually, because we believe that Nebuchadnezzar came to, came to the Lord. You can read about it in Daniel chapter 4. But anyway... Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, he says, my servant. He didn't know, but Nebuchadnezzar, that he was a servant of God at the time. He wasn't aware of it. He was doing his own thing. But God says, I'm going to use you as a tool in my hand, even though you're doing this of your own volition. You've got your own heart, and you're going your own way, but you don't know it. But I'm, you're a tool in my hand, and you, you're not even aware of it. That's the unfair advantage, I guess. And the beasts of the field I have also given him to serve him. So all the nations shall serve him and his son and his son's sons. And that's exactly what happened with Nebuchadnezzar. Until the time of his land comes. And then many nations and great kings shall serve him. And it shall be, serve them, I'm sorry. And it shall be that the nation and the kingdom which will not serve Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and which will not put its neck under the yoke of the king of Babylon, that nation I will punish, says the Lord, with the sword, with the famine, the pestilence, until I have consumed them by his hand. Therefore, do not listen to your prophets, your diviners, your dreamers, your soothsayers, and your sorcerers who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you, the Lord says, to remove you far from your land, and I will drive you out, and you will perish. But the nations that bring their necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him, I will let them remain in their own land, says the Lord, and it shall till, and they shall till it and dwell in it. And I also spoke to Zedekiah, king of Judah, according to all these words, saying, Bring your necks under the yoke of the king of Babylon and serve him and his people and live. Why will you die, you and your people? So, um, Jeremiah goes to Zedekiah and tells him these things. Why will you die, you and your people, by the sword, by the famine, by the pestilence, as the Lord has spoken against the nation that will not serve the king of Babylon? Therefore, do not listen to the words of the prophets who speak to you, saying, You shall not serve the king of Babylon, for they prophesy a lie to you. For I have not sent them, says the Lord, yet they prophesy a lie in my name, that I may drive you out and that you may perish, you and the prophets who prophesy to you. See, God had gotten so fed up with the false prophets and, and their willingness to listen to these things when Jeremiah was a proven prophet. And yet prophets come and say, you know, nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. And Jeremiah is saying, no, it is going to happen. And everything's going to be taken away from the temple, and it's going to be taken to Babylon. And by the way, if you just cave in and give in and go quietly, you're going to live. But if you resist, you're going to be in trouble. And see, that's another way. God's saying, you know what, I'm taking you to Babylon, but if you listen and you obey, if you submit to the chastisement that you've got coming to you, because you do deserve it, if you submit to it, you will live. If you resist it, there's going to be problems. We don't have time to read this, but I would encourage you now to read uh, Jeremiah 28, verses 1 through uh, 17. And you'll see what happens as a result of that. But let's go back to verse 49 in chapter 28. It says, The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar. And of course, we know now, who is that? Babylon, right? We know that's what he's talking about. The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, all the way in the east, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, because they spoke in, a, in, in Chaldean. They didn't understand that tongue. 
In Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 8, it says this concerning this nation of Babylon. It says, Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than evening wolves. Their chargers charge ahead and their cavalry comes from afar. Notice, and they fly as the eagle that hastens to eat. And so here, Habakkuk is just telling them in advance, these things are coming and this is the nation that's going to come. Let's look at verse 50. A nation of fierce countenance. Babylon, which does not respect the elderly, nor show favor to the young. And they shall eat the increase of your livestock and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. All the stuff that I've given you, the Lord says, all the things that I've blessed you with, they are going to take possession of. But what a bitter pill that must have been. You know, they possessed a land. They, they uh, dispossessed a people and gained their land, gained their crops, and now they themselves are going to be plunder for another nation that's going to come in and do the same to them. Why? Because of their disobedience. And he did the same thing to the nations, those seven nations in Canaan. He's doing the same thing to his own people because they would not listen, and they were more accountable. They shall besiege you, verse 52, at all your gates until your high and fortified walls in which you trust, notice, come down throughout all your land, and they shall besiege you at all your gates throughout all the land which the Lord your God has given you. It reminds me of Masada. One of the places we go when we go to Israel, this is one of the most incredible places. It's It's out in the Judean desert, and it's right down there at the very southern tip of the northern part of the Dead Sea. And there's a fortress that Herod had built called Masada. And this fortress was the last holdout for the Jews after, in 70 AD, when the Romans came and they destroyed Jerusalem, some Jews escaped and they went up into this high fortress. And when you're up there, you can see the Dead Sea. You can, you're up there and you can see it out in front of you. <laughs> it, it, you're, you're way up high. You have to get up there by a cable car. And while you're up there, you can actually see the Roman encampment still to this day. You can see where they were on that day. And right behind you, there's a breaching point, a, a, a bridge that they basically made out of stone and rubble and sand and dirt, and they built this thing. And then finally one night, they breached that wall, only to find all the residents, all the people, who had, the Jews who had been hiding there had committed suicide because they would have rather commit suicide than to be under the slave slavery of Rome. They would have treated them horribly. They would have raped their daughters. They would have put their young men to, to hard labor and probably killed many of them. They said, we'd rather die. We'd rather die than go through that. Verse 53, you shall eat the fruit of your own body, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you, in the siege and desperate straits in your in which your enemy shall distress you. In Leviticus 26, beginning in verse 27, it says this, and again, this even predates Deuteronomy that we're reading by somewhat. It says, And after all this, if you do not obey me but walk contrary to me, then also I will walk contrary to you in fury, and I, even I, will chastise you seven times for your sins, and you shall eat the flesh of your sons, and you shall eat the flesh of your daughters. You know, these are horrible, despicable things. The siege, they would lay siege to it. They would, they would come around a city, and they would cut off all supplies of water and, and anything coming in, any supplies. And, and all they had to rely on was what was inside the city. And once that's gone, the army just sits out there, and they wait. They'll be out there for a year, and they'll just wait until you're so hungry that you begin to look at your own child. And when that child is sick and dies, 
family members fighting over it to eat it. That's how desperate things were. It's horrible, horrible stuff. In fact, in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24, the king of Syria came against Joram, the king of Israel. And it says, And it happened after this that Ben-Hadad, king of Syria, gathered all of his army, and he went up and besieged Samaria. So he surrounded it, cutting off all their supplies. And there was a great famine in Samaria. And indeed, they besieged it until a donkey's head was sold for 80 shekels of silver and one-fourth of a cab of dove droppings for five shekels of silver. Then, as the king of Israel was passing on by the wall, a woman cried out to him, saying, Help me, my lord, O king. And he said, if the Lord does not help you, where can I find? Where can I help you, from from the from the threshing floor or from the wine press? And the king said to her, "What is troubling you?" And she answered, "This woman said to me, 'Give me your son, that we may eat him today, and we will eat your son tomorrow.' So we boiled my son and ate him. And I said to her on the next day, 'Give your son, that we may eat him.' But she has hidden her son. Now it happened when the king heard the words of the woman that he tore his clothes. And as he passed on by the wall, the people looked, and there underneath he had sackcloth on his body. And so, again, the Lord is prophesying, telling them just how bad things are going to get. Desperate, desperate times that the children of Israel will go through. You might want to write some of these scriptures down. Ezekiel chapter 5, verses 5 through 10. It just more um, just supporting that this is really hard to, to hear, I know, and it's, it's not easy to share either, but this is the way things were. In Jeremiah chapter 19, also look at verses 4 through 9. Lamentations 2 verse 20, as Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations, after he wrote Jeremiah, as he's standing and looking over this, destru- the, the, when the Babylonians destroyed Jerusalem, remember he stayed in Jerusalem, while Ezekiel, his contemporary, went into captivity in Babylon. So Jeremiah stayed there in what we know as Jeremiah's grotto, and he sat there overlooking the city in smoldering flames. And he said, See, O Lord, and consider, to whom, you, to whom have you done this? Should the women eat their offspring, the children they have cuddled? Should the priest and the prophet be slain in the sanctuary of the Lord? You can look at Lamentations also, chapter 4, verses 6 through 10. But let's go on to verse 54 here in Deuteronomy 28. It says, Notice, the sensitive and the very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and toward the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat, because he has nothing left in the siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. And and this just kills me, verse... 56. It says, The tender and the delicate woman among you, who would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity, will refuse to the husband of her bosom and her son and her daughter her placenta, which comes out from between her feet, and her children whom she bears. For she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege, and desperately and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. These are the most horrible things you can read. And this does, it breaks your heart. And again, God warning, telling them, prophesying, what's coming? This is what's coming, guys. If you do not observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, and you, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you. Notice, here's the, uh, look at verse 58. 
circle the word if. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear his glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God, then the Lord will bring upon you, circle that word, then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. You shall, not be, you shall be left few in number. There's always a remnant. God always has his remnant. You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of the heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. The Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the gift of God is eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And why is that? The wage is something you receive. It's a wage. You get it in return. So as I sin, what I'm basically doing is saying, now I receive, I need to receive a wage for my sin, and my wage, unfortunately, is death. But notice, the tables turn, but the gift of God, a gift is something you don't earn. It's given to you free of charge. Somebody else pays the price. But the gift of God is eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, the greatest gift the world has ever known. He gave the gift. Jesus is the only true sacrifice. There are plenty of scriptures that talk about this idea of the Jews being multitude and of the stars of heaven in multitude. And I'm just going to give them to you. You can write them down. Genesis 15, verses 1 through 5. Genesis 22, verses 15 through 18. And even God reiterating this covenant to Isaac in Genesis chapter 26, verses 1 through 4. Notice at verse 63 now, it says, And it shall be, we're coming to the end here, folks. Hang in there. This is a difficult chapter, and it's a lengthy one. It's really long. And now that it's 10 o'clock, well, only, only five more minutes and we'll be done. <laughs> this is the severity of God. Aren't you glad that the, the Scripture is not all like this? We'd be very depressed. There's so much joy in the Scripture, and I want to encourage you that. These are the hardest parts of the, of the Bible. Because this really, it brings front and center the, the, the consequence of rebellion, of, of disobedience. Again, why? Is it because God is insecure? No, he knows what's best. If you're obedient, have you experienced the blessings of obedience? Have you experienced the blessings of obedience? Then you know how great of a feeling that is. To know that you're right with God and that your life is a blessing. And to be in that place, there's no greater thing in the world than to be in that place. I don't know of any other greater feeling than to have peace with God and to be used by Him and to do right things, to do good things, to bless others, to be other-centered. There's no greater feeling in the, in the earth. The greatest secret of all is to serve others, and you'll find that your joy will be full. But until you do it, you'll never know. You'll never know. And it shall be, verse 63, that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and to bring you to nothing. And you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. And that's exactly what happened, isn't it? History tells us now. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples. He did that, didn't he? 
He did it in Assyria, 722. He did it with Babylon in, 580, in 607, 606. He did it in 70 A.D. The Lord will scatter you among all peoples, from one end of the earth to the other, and, and there you shall serve other gods, lowercase g, which neither you nor your fathers have known, wood and stone. And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your foot have a resting place. But there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. And that's exactly what happened. Everywhere they went, they were hunted. They were cheated. They were treated like second-class citizens. Everywhere where the Jews have gone since they've been out of their land, they've been treated like animals and less than human your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, oh, that it were evening. And at evening you shall say, oh, that it were morning. Have you been in such pain where you were like, I can't wait till it's evening so I can go to bed? And then, you, and then you, your, your, your night sleep is so bad that you're like, I can't wait for the sun to come up and I can put the coffee on and get, get going again. And the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships. By the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again, and there you shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. No one will buy you. And then finally, chapter 1 of, verse 1, I'm sorry, of chapter 29. These are the words of the covenant which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab, beside the covenant which he made with them in Horeb. And that covenant that he made with him in Horeb, we see that in, in Leviticus chapter 26. That's why that chapter is so important to what we're doing. In fact, the very last verse of Leviticus 26 says, These are the statutes and the judgments and the laws which the Lord made between himself and the children of Israel on Mount Sinai by the hand of Moses. So in Leviticus 26, by the, they were in Mount Sinai, and he told them the blessings and the cursings. And now in <laughs> In Deuteronomy 28, he's saying the same thing right before they go into the promised land now, repeating himself, many of these things. And just as an interesting note, chapter, or verse 1 of chapter 29 in the Hebrew Bible, this was actually verse 69. So the chapter break in our English Bible is kind of unfortunate. Because in the Hebrew Bible, verse 1 of chapter 29 was really verse 69 of chapter 28. And so we know that the, uh, the Word of God is inspired, but not necessarily the chapter breaks and all that stuff. So when we come back, we'll, we'll start uh, Moses' final address in the second verse of chapter 29. So be encouraged. You know, this was really hard. Does anybody find this really exciting? Uh, it's difficult, isn't it? So let's stand and let's pray. Well, Father, we do just thank you for your goodness and for your grace toward us, Lord. Thank you that we do live in the age of grace. And, Lord, that you have placed all of our sin, Lord, upon yourself, and you paid for that price. You paid the price that we could not give, Lord. The wage to, for, of our sin we could, not, we could not pay. Lord, it would have had to have been our own lives. And, Lord, you were the ransom price. You took upon yourself that price, that we might have life in you, Jesus. And so we thank you for that tonight. We pray that, Lord, we learn from these things, from uh, the children of Israel. 
And Lord, that you'd strengthen our faith, Lord. And just to know the, the, the truth of, of the, the difficulty, the difficulty and, and the seriousness of what sin does to us and how it separates us from you. Lord, please encourage us, Lord. Strengthen our faith. In Jesus' name we pray. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of Deuteronomy. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. And that number again is 585-586-3140. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, ministry and contact information, our location and service times, and much more. You can even download the radio and sanctuary messages in MP3 format free of charge from the resources link. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play or Apple Podcast. We are so glad that you could join us today, and if there is any way that we could bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.